couple of weeks ago, Pastor Barry and I went to Africa and we traveled with an organization called the Timothy Initiative. We were invited uh, through an acquaintance of ours on this trip where they invite pastors to come and they take care of all of their expenses in order to help them see the ministry, catch the vision. And if you'll remember, if you've been around BCC for a while, back in January, we introduced this ministry to our church of the Timothy Initiative. Their main goal and objective is to be a church planting organization that trains up people to be able to go out and to plant churches. A lot of times in the U.S., the concept of planting churches is we try to raise up somebody here, teach them the language, teach them the culture, send them out, make sure that they have adequate funding and do all that. And that, that works. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but TTI takes a different approach. What they like to do is they want to equip and empower indigenous people living in those regions all over the world where unreached people groups are. And they're primarily focusing on different countries in Africa, and they're also focusing on India and just other places where there's large concentrations of unreached people groups that have not heard the gospel. So Pastor Barry and I traveled to Malindi, which is in Kenya. It's in the country of Kenya, right on the coast. And so this coastal region is where we got introduced to Pastor Emmanuel. And Pastor Emmanuel is this incredible leader, this incredible pastor that God has put a vision in his heart. And I'll tell you, church, it resonated with me so much getting to connect with Pastor Emmanuel. And one of the things that God put on his heart is he wants to see a church in every village along the coastal region in Africa. So what he did was he kind of drew a large circle around a region, and he said, there's about 4,500 villages within this region. And he said, I believe God wants a church in every village. And he's only been at this goal for just a couple of years, and he's already seen 450 churches planted. And he's seen over 22,000 people come to Christ. 22,000 people come into the kingdom of God because they're raising up evangelists, they're raising up church planners and leaders. And in the next six years, he wants to see 4,500 churches planted. Right now, there's already over 25,000 people involved in these churches, and there were no churches before in these villages. And now there's all of these people. So Pastor Barry and I got to go visit some of these churches. And we got to meet these people. We got to meet these leaders. We got to meet these pastors. We got to pray with them. We got to preach in their churches. Uh, most of them were simply stick structures with mud for walls and tin roofing. And we went to all these different places and got to see these pastors being trained. Got to see where they were being uh, uh, where they were learning and, and networking and connecting and being able to have a, a, a group support there and traveled around with Pastor Emmanuel to see this vision. Now, this resonated with me because I did something similar. I took a map of Quad Cities and I drew a big circle around it. And I saw all of the needs that were in the Quad Cities and I believe God wants to use BCC to be a church planting church within these quad cities to reach unreached people groups to see us get off of that list from 2019 that says we are number 15 in the nation per capita of the most post-christian cities in the united states of america you've heard me talk about this before this is something that we're very passionate about that we're very focused on that we believe god wants us to utilize our relationship with the timothy initiative 
to begin to take some of these concepts to also look into church planting and possibly using some of their resources to help us to train and equip leaders to be able to do so. And so as our leadership team has been praying about this, we want to have a deeper partnership with the Timothy Initiative. And so one of the easiest ways to do this is for us to join the church planning circle. Church planning circle helps to provide all of the materials and the resources needed uh, to be able to help these church planners be trained. And you can see this QR code. I want to encourage you to snap a picture of that, grab that QR code. It's 34 bucks a month. My family does it. Our children's ministry also is doing four churches to where when uh, children give offerings, they're planting four churches. Our student ministry is going to be doing this as well. And I want to encourage our church to do this because I would like to join in with Pastor Emmanuel to sow into what God is doing over there in the coastal region in Africa for us to help plant churches over there by providing resources, by providing prayer, and then also building a relationship with Pastor Emmanuel to when he can perhaps even make videos for us, uh, share updates about where they're at in the process. Because if God has called us to plant, I think that the best way for us to start that process of being a church planting church is to invest in the vision that God has given someone else and for us to partner with them and kind of sow forward, knowing that God is going to provide what we need to do, what he's called us to do. Amen? And so I want to invite you to do this with us because Pastor Barry and I have prayed about this, talked about this strategically. We would like to see BCC be able to, in 2023, plant 100 churches. And right now we've got 29 so far. Um, that you have signed up and committed to do. So we'd like to see the rest of that taken care of, that $34 a month church planning circle. So I want to invite you to be a part of that. I want to invite you to pray for Pastor Emmanuel. I want to invite you to pray for what God's doing in the coastal region and also continue to pray for what God's doing here in the Quad Cities. Because I believe that there's a lot of people here in our own backyard that need to be reached with the gospel. Amen? And so we have a, we have a job to do. And that's what we're praying about. That's what we're strategizing about. That's what we're trying to cultivate the ground and prepare our hearts for because God has given us some strategy and we've seen what God can do and we know that nothing is too hard for our God and so what we want to do is we want to pray and we're going to start praying here in just a few weeks you're going to hear more and more about prayer opportunities we're going to start walking these quad cities as a church we're going to do prayer walks we're going to go out in the neighborhoods in the cities all over this area and we're going to pray. We're going to begin to prepare that ground. We're going to look for where God may be calling us to. We're going to begin to train up leaders, train up people to be able to send them out. Maybe even to start something simple in a home or something in a, a small place and small beginnings with just a few relationships. And begin to train up our church for evangelism. To go in to spread the gospel and be the light that we're called to be, that city on a hill. And that's who I believe God's called BCC to be. Amen. Let's take all this to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be able to share the word with people all over the world, to share your truth. Help us, God, to get plugged in, to get connected where there's opportunities, where there's a moment of decision to say yes to impacting and investing in eternity with our time, our talent, our treasure, 
to be able to say yes to eternal things, yes to greater things, where we can live a life, Lord, that is beyond Sunday, that is beyond, Lord, and, 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 and bigger even than our local area here in Bettendorf, and that it's making an impact and influencing things way beyond any of our lifetimes. And so, Father, help us to have that heart that is for these cities, for all people, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, to go into all the world and to make disciples. And so help us to do that. We pray for Pastor Emmanuel and for the, the vision that we know is from you to see people come to faith in Christ. And it's happening. We pray that those efforts would continue, Lord, to increase and be strengthened, that you'd raise up new evangelists, new people going out, spreading the gospel, sharing their faith, leading others to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here in the Quad Cities. Lord, we pray that you would continue to raise up, Lord, this church to continue to stay on mission, to stay, Lord, focused on who you've called us to be. And Lord, we pray for the strategies. You order the steps, Lord. You order the pathway. You set our feet, Lord, in the direction you want them to go. Holy Spirit, we raise up those sails and know you provide the winds. And so we say, here we are, Lord. Use us for your glory to influence and impact eternity. Now help us to grow through your word today. Help us to grow and be encouraged and be strengthened, convicted, challenged. Whatever needs to happen, Holy Spirit, we pray you would do it for the glory of God and for the advancement of the kingdom of God that we can change, Lord, that landscape of heaven for your glory, for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in our lives, in these quad cities, in Melindi, Africa, Lord, all over this world as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're excited to be a part of that and to continue to grow in that. Let's uh, go into the Word today as we're still in 1 Peter. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bible over to 1 Peter, we're actually going to go a little backwards into the second chapter because it helps to set us up for what we're going to talk about today in the context. Do you guys remember your first boss that you ever had maybe your first job you remember your first boss a lot of us remember our firsts of things especially if there was something significant attached to it i remember my first boss his name was fred white god bless him i worked at a grocery store i was 15 years old and fred was not a very nice person matter of fact I still get shivers down my spine when I think about it. And he would call over that little intercom that they have at grocery stores. And this was in southern Arkansas. And you have to understand, Fred had a really high-pitched voice. And so you would hear this shrill, high voice come over the intercom. Derek, I need you to come up to the front. Just like that. And it scared me to death as a 15-year-old kid because I didn't know, am I in trouble? What is Mr. White going to say to me? I don't know. He had this like intense mustache. It was so strong, such a strong stash. Like, I mean, it was just boom. It was there. It was so, so powerful and uh, intimidating, especially to a 15-year-old kid. I, there was a bank inside of our grocery store, and I banked at that bank. And so when I would get paid, I would go deposit or cash my check. Deposit, yeah, right, I was 15. I go cash my check at the bank when I would get paid, but I would be scared to go cash my check because Mr. White had one of those offices that had like the tinted windows and it was up high to where he could see down on the whole store and he would see when I would come in. And so like when I would go cash my check, I'd try to, you know, 
And then, lo and behold, if he saw me, Derek, could you come upstairs? Just like, ah. And he would ask me to work or, you know, get on to me or whatever. Oh, man. I remember that. I, rem I remember so many things about that. So many stories I could tell about that. But you didn't come here today to hear stories about me working at a Kroger. <laughs> but we all have to deal with authority in our lives that we don't like. Every one of us. And in that authority, it may be tough. So how are we supposed to respond as Christians to authority that we don't like? Because you're going to have to deal with it. But how do we deal when someone in charge of something makes a decision we don't like, or maybe we just don't even like the person that's in authority because of a series of decisions that they've made, or maybe what they stand for, or what they value, but they're in authority. And we're supposed to live in the middle of that. How do we as Christians do that? Like, is there ever an okay time to just like, rebel is there ever an okay time to just like push back really hard how hard is too hard to push back against that like we how do we do this as christians and still honor god in the middle of it should we just be doormats should we just be okay with everything and just be super passive or 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 should we push back and fight like what do we do should we just obey or sometimes complying with bad leaders and authority makes me feel like I'm just accepting defeat when I know what's right and I know better. So what do we do as Christians? This is the exact same thing that Peter was helping the church to deal with because they're living in Roman society and these Christians now have issues that they didn't have before they came into faith in Christ. Some of the challenges that they're facing is that Maybe one of the spouses becomes a Christian and the other one doesn't. What do you do in this divided home once someone has come to faith in Christ? Because in their day and age, there were certain expectations culturally. What do you do? What do you do when you've come to faith in Christ, but your boss is not a Christian and actually makes your life more difficult because of your faith? What do you do in those instances? What do you do when the governor makes decisions that make your life more difficult? What do you do living under the rule and reign of Emperor Nero Caesar, who was the first to truly persecute Christians? What do you do when you're living under persecution where people are being arrested, thrown into prison, they're losing their jobs over their faith. They're actually being beaten or in some extreme cases being killed for their faith. What do I do with that authority? What do I do with that leader? What do I do with that person that is making my life miserable? This is what Peter is dealing with here. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 2 and let's read verse 13. And you're not going to like it. Just give you a preface, okay? because this is what he says be subject for the lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good for this is the will of god that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. 
Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I don't like that. But yet, here's the thing. Peter is writing this while Nero is in charge. I want you to just think about this for a second. Think about the difficulty of the political climate that we live in and the challenges around being a believer with different issues on the forefront and different societal things that want to put all this pressure on us to react or respond a certain way. And, and I'll tell you, church, there's a lot of people that love Jesus that are doing things in the name of Jesus that don't honor Jesus. It just doesn't honor Jesus. Because here, Peter is saying in the middle of all this persecution, if you're someone who loves Jesus, here's how you are supposed to act because there's something different here. He says, verse 13, be subject for whose sake? For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake to every human institution. He's saying here, you have to understand your role as a believer in a society that's filled with unbelievers. Because you carry something as a representative of Christ that is very precious, that is more important than your comfort, that's more important than you uh, having life go the way you want it. Man, I want things to go my way because I think my way is the right way. And I think that people who don't think my way are dumb. And I'm sure that you think that the way you think is the right way to think too. And we think we have a right perspective. We think we have a, a correct value system. And we want to stand up for that. And, and yes, we can stand up for that. But how we stand up for that matters. I'm not suggesting, nor is Peter suggesting, that we just let the common rule of the day to just trample over us while we're just silent and we just take all of this abuse. That's not what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that the position of your heart, that your attitude, that your mouth, that the things that you say and do towards those who are in authority matters because you represent someone who is bigger than that person who is in authority. You represent Christ. And eternity matters more than human institutions. This is really the value system here. Is that eternity matters more than my comfort. Eternity matters more than the, the things in life and in society and in culture going my way. I want them to go my way. Believe me, I'll try to influence those things to go my way as much as I can and still honor God. I, I want to do that. But at the same time, whether it goes my way or not, I still have a mission that's bigger than the institution of authority that I may be living under in the culture of my day. And that is the message of the gospel. So many of us get short-sighted, and we only think about the day. We only think about the present, and we're not living in light of eternity. And we're not thinking about being representatives of Christ or the gospel. This is why Peter says, man, for the Lord's sake, for the sake of the Lord. Man, this is the will of God. And when you do this, when you live peaceably with all, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And you're thinking, man, in Christ I'm free. And Peter says, yes, 
You are free in Christ. You are free. Nobody, nobody can claim rule over you and lordship over you except for the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, that is right. But he says here, don't use your, your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, don't live in rebellion and don't live evil towards those who are evil, thinking, well, I'm free and I can do whatever I want because of that, and who are you to tell me what to do? Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, I serve God, and he'll rain down lightning bolts on you. That's not the attitude of the Christ follower. The attitude of the Christ follower wants to see people one to faith in Christ, wants to see people come to faith in Jesus. And so Peter says, honor everyone. And if you look up that word everyone in the original Greek, it will translate as everyone. It means everybody. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, we had a low night. We had a youth group of about 75 kids, and this night only like 10 showed up. It's one of those summer things, you know. And I remember one of the students saying, Pastor Derek, where's everybody at? And I said, look around, Jack. Everybody is everybody. I don't understand this. Everybody is everybody. Everyone is everyone. All of us, not just some of us. But he says, love and honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor that's tough stuff i don't like it you don't like it but yet it is the heart posture of someone who has been redeemed and so i have to remember the gospel the gospel of jesus christ anchors me and reminds me oh yeah i too was once an enemy of god which is way more severe than being an enemy of the state i was an enemy of god but yet in my fallen state, in my, in my state of rebellion towards God, the creator, the one who has all authority, who holds the stars in his hand, the one who is, who is greater than anyone or anything, uh, I was at odds with him and I was an enemy of his. And it is only by his grace that I am now adopted, brought back in, called a son, called a daughter. Amen, church? Let's not forget we were once far away in our fallen state even if we were morally upright in our fallen state we were far away from god but it is only through the grace of jesus christ it is only through this good news this message of reconciliation and redemption and forgiveness and restoration that i now can be called a son or a daughter a, a royal priesthood a holy nation someone who's a joint heir someone who was dead has been brought back to life only through this good news of jesus christ Amen? This is where we have to get this idea out of our head. And I know I say this a lot. We have to get this idea out of our head of, of, of the good guys and the bad guys, the good people and the bad people. And we have to start remembering it's just lost people and saved people. That's the way that heaven looks at things. And that's the way that someone who has been redeemed needs to begin to change their mind and renew their mind to begin to see people through the lens of eternity. See people through the lens of the gospel, especially your enemies. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul, he says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, 
whatever you do. Now, I know we're not all Greek scholars in this room. There may be one or two. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not surely not one of them. But that word whatever in the Greek, guess what? <laughs> kind of same thing as earlier. Taking it a little Greek 101. It means literally anything. Like whatever. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. So my energy and my effort is going towards the Lord with what I'm doing. Because that's who I'm trying to please. Amen? That's who I'm trying to honor and glorify. That's how I have crucified my flesh. That's how I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice, as an act of worship. This is living in Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. I'm, 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 I'm living as unto Christ for the glory of God. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote Colossians chapter 3 to the church in Colossae who were dealing with a lot of slavery. And, and in this context he's dealing with, you can go back and read, he's actually talking a lot about family and he's talking about slavery. And he says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. You see, we must care for the message that we carry. We really have to prioritize and understand the, the precious value of this gospel message. We have to understand that we are the representatives of Christ. We must understand that we have been given this great commission. We have to understand this is bigger than us. It's bigger than our complaints. It's bigger than our wants. It's bigger than our preferences. It's bigger than all of the things that we would value here on this earth. That we just want to order and line up a certain way. And I know you want that. And we, we ask God for that. We pray for that. We, we, we try to use our influence to do that. But if it doesn't happen, I still have a message. I still am a representative. I still am a carrier of the gospel and we must care for the message we carry and we must care about the message we carry more than we care about our comfort because it sure is comfortable and it sure is easy when man um, the mayor does what I want him to do the head of my HOA does what I want him to do the governor does what I want him to do the president does what I want them to do. If everybody could just line up with what I want, <laughs> that would be great. If everyone could just start passing policies that I like, that'd be great, that were favorable towards me and the way that I value things and the way that I want to live. But what do I do when that doesn't happen? You see, a lot of times we allow our anger and our frustration towards things not going our way to actually hinder our message as representatives of Christ. Because we channel our anger in an unhealthy way. And sometimes we even channel our anger in the name of God. And we're missing what Peter was telling to the church in Asia Minor. We miss what Peter was telling the church living under the threat of persecution. You see, it wasn't very long after this that Peter ends up getting crucified upside down by his own request. Because he didn't count himself worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus. And so Peter willingly gives up his life. Peter willingly says, 
I'll be a martyr. I'll be someone who gives everything for the gospel. I'll be one who suffers with Christ. And all the suffering, all the challenges, all the difficulty, all the hardships, all of those things, I have to remember that Christ felt those things first. And it was my sin that caused him to go through that agony and that anguish. And so when I suffer, Scripture tells me that I need to count my sufferings as with Christ. That I can actually rejoice in suffering, counting, being counted worthy to suffer as Christ suffered. Not look for revenge, not look for retribution, not look for just me getting my way. Because man, these guys could have been like, you know what? You, 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 you wanted to ostracize me from society because I'm a Christian. These guys could have said, guess what? I walked on water with God. What you gonna do? I saw the resurrected Christ. I've seen dead people. Ra- I, you know, I saw Lazarus raised from the dead. You want to mess with me? People would have been flexing hard if they had the attitude we have. They would have been flexing hard saying, do you know I saw Jesus cast demons out of this man and, and send those demons into these pigs and those pigs jumped off of a cliff? You want to threaten me? I mean, man, we would be so boisterous, so aggressive, so wrong-spirited. That's not at all what Peter was saying. Peter didn't say, Peter didn't give a, a sermon well, when the government comes against you, come on, somebody, what you got to do, you got to channel that anointing, and you got to just lay hands suddenly on them and watch the power of God just shake them. We're going to have a Holy Ghost shakedown. Peter said, honor them. What? That's not what I was expecting. I've seen God do incredible things. I know he's all powerful. I'm free. Yes, yes, and yes. Absolutely. So in your freedom, love those who want to persecute you. Honor those. Live peaceably among everyone. That's difficult. And it takes a different kind of love. It takes a different type of priority in my value system to live that kind of way. And it's not the easy route, man. (laughs) Thank goodness that God doesn't give Christians access to, you know, like brimstone and fireballs from heaven and lightning. If God gave us access to that, man, we'd be raining them down on everybody. Landlord, fireball, you know. (laughs) School board, fireball. All the people that we get angry at, and and, and we do rain down our proverbial fireballs, but yet we're representing Christ. Ooh, I better check myself or I wreck myself. Amen, somebody. That's a good word right there. (laughs) And here's how we honor God best. We honor God best through loving other people well, and that's hard in the middle of that. That's why we need a supernatural kind of love, because I don't naturally possess that kind of love. I don't. You do something wrong to me or something I don't like, I I don't want to be for you. I don't want to be. But Christ in me is stronger than me in me. Amen? 
Jesus, after being beaten, mocked, stripped of his dignity, hung on a cross, spat upon by the very people that he ministered to, fed, shared words with, shared meals with, loved on, as they mocked him as he was being crucified, what does he say in that position? Most vulnerable. With all the power to be able to do anything, to react, to get revenge, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's a supernatural kind of love. That's different. Amen? You see, protecting the integrity of the gospel was a huge priority for the early church. You can read all throughout the New Testament, and even in the book of Revelation, you can see that those seven churches mentioned protecting the gospel and making sure the gospel goes forward. That's the priority. That's what really matters here. So I'm going to give you a quick qualifier concerning the government because we've been talking about that for a while. Is what the government asking you to do, is it causing you to dishonor God or to sin? If it's not causing you to sin and dishonor God, then do it as unto the Lord for the Lord's sake and trust God. I don't like inflation. I don't like taxes. But I can't go, this is ungodly. And this goes towards ungodly things that I don't agree with. You know what? At the same time, I have to look at what Jesus said. Because he was asked the same thing by his disciples. Hey, Jesus, who should we pay taxes to? Nobody. And Jesus said, whose head's on the coin? They said, Caesar. I'm like, oh, man. Said, render unto Caesar what's Caesar's. Render unto God what's God's. Understand, you're living in a day, man, where not everything's going your way. But you still have a responsibility to carry the gospel, to trust the Lord, and to live for the Lord's sake. So let's keep reading verse 18 of uh, 1 Peter 2. All right. He follows this up by saying, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only for the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. He's saying, man, not just to those who are good to you, but to those who treat you unjustly. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls man he's speaking to a culture that still practiced slavery and there were people who would become christians who were slaves and like these slaves like they're like what do we do peter like they're treating us unjustly and we're doing good and, and man it doesn't seem fair it doesn't seem right i'm a christian now and he's saying if you're living under that authority and you're there, even in an unjust situation. He said, listen, man. He said, make sure that you focus on honoring God. Make sure that you understand that Christ suffered for you. And he left you an example that you might follow. 
He didn't threaten. He counted his sufferings as unto Christ. So endure suffering well as unto Christ. And that's not a popular message that will sell books and fly off bookshelves and put you on a New York Times bestseller list. But yet it's biblical. Because we go through difficulty and all we want, it seems like, is to have the difficulty alleviated. We just want to have it resolved. We want to be done with it. And I do too, man. But I know that there is a righteous suffering. That when we go through difficulties, that I'm still trusting in the goodness of God because I'm trusting in the sovereignty of God. I'm trusting in His hand. I'm trusting in His leading. I'm trusting in His providence. I'm trusting in His might. And at the same time, I'm like, God, when is this going to be over? When is this pain and suffering going to be over? I know, man. A few years ago, when I was watching everything that was happening on the news, I told my wife, I said, if I could buy a one-way ticket off of this planet to start life on another planet, I would. I didn't just want to leave the country. I wanted to leave the planet because I'm like, everybody's crazy. It just seemed like the world was just so filled with turmoil, and it seemed like the answer was just get on a rocket ship and go away. <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed like a really good answer. I had no means to do that, but I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> I had some schematics drawn. But uh, <laughs> colonizing the moon. But <laughs> it just seems like, man, all this craziness, and I just want it to be over. I just want the difficulty to be over. And all of us want that. And sometimes, man, we get so caught up trying to make the difficulty be over that we miss what God may be trying to work in us during the difficulty. We miss the growth. We miss the humility. We miss the deepening our dependence on God. We miss those things because we're trying to fix it in our own strength. And we always come up short and we always come out frustrated. What's the fruit of it? What's the fruit of it? Am I living my life with an eternal priority or am I just trying to fix everything here? See, if I live with an eternal priority, it changes my mentality. Yeah, it, it still makes stuff on this earth I don't like. It, it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it go away. But it gives me a perspective to let me know that I want to lay up my treasures in heaven. Amen? That I want to live with an eternal priority, even through difficulty, even through tough stuff, even the stuff that's not fair, that's not right. And yeah, I want to try to do whatever I can to try to influence it the other way. But at the end of the day... Whether my influence is significant or not, whether it changes or moves the needle or not, I want to do everything I do to glorify God. And I want to live in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the turmoil, to glorify God. And I want it to deepen my dependence upon God. And so I want to endure suffering well as unto Christ. Let's read chapter 3. Let's read these first seven verses. This is the same idea. I know that there's a, a chapter division here, but if you look at the context, this is all one continuous thought. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the putting on gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. 
For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, in this section of Scripture, he's addressing the patriarchal society in which they live. And so in their day and age, for you to have different beliefs between a husband and wife was unheard of. Whatever the patriarch, whatever this patriarch believed was what everyone believed. That means all of the uh, employees of the home or if there were slaves, uh, the, the spouse, the children, everyone just believed that because that person said this is what you believe. There was no individualism in the way that you could choose and have this kind of division thing. That would have been a really weird thing to experience. But yet now it's happening because of the gospel being shared and there were some wives coming to faith in Christ as well as some husbands coming to faith in Christ. Now it would have been easier if a husband came to faith in Christ in that day because they would have just followed suit with the pattern of old where everyone would say, okay, the patriarch's a Christian, so boom, everybody's Christian. But if the woman became a Christian in that day and time, it would have been odd because now there's like this difference. So what do you do? What do you do, wives, when you come to faith in Christ and you've got this system in place that was the system that we just ran through and you're going, I'm free in Christ. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know why you don't come to faith in Christ. And you beat him over the head and you tell him how terrible of a person he is or you make life really difficult because of your faith in Christ. And here Peter's saying, don't do that. That's the wrong strategy. He said the strategy is not even to get all dressed up to try to like lure him and say, oh, look, I'm a Christian and look at how, look at how attractive I am, how pretty I am. And, and now you can be won over because I'm trying to somehow seduce you to become a Christian. Also the wrong way to go about it. And so he's trying to help the women understand you're not going to win them over to Christ by your looks. You're not going to win them over to Christ by you constantly badgering them and making life difficult in your home. He actually tells them what, you're, what you need to do is make sure that they're won over by your conduct. He says that they will be won without a word but by the conduct of their wives. And so Peter's saying, wives, win your husbands to Christ through your devotion to Christ. So the honor that you show to your husband, even if your husband is an unbeliever, He's saying the way that you honor him, actually, why don't you make Christ your focus and not your husband? And why don't you let your treatment of him and the way that you're living in the society of your day, why don't you let that treatment that you're treating him with not be just for him, but why don't you do it as unto Christ? And when you do that, your conduct is actually going to speak louder than your rebellion because your rebellion's not going to win him. You creating tension in the home is not going to win him. You see, it, it was not common for them to have those different beliefs. So we still want to see them impacted with the gospel. And Peter's trying to help them understand your duty is to follow Christ first and foremost. And to respect your husband in that role that he has in the home. But do it as unto Christ. It's still the same message. In other words, Peter was telling them that just because your husband's not yet a believer, 
It doesn't give you the right to cause division in your home, to throw away your marriage, to make living together miserable. He's still telling, he's telling the, the, the slaves, he's telling the person living under an unrighteous government, an unrighteous authority, and he's telling an un, uh, a, a believing spouse, a wife specifically, living with an unbelieving husband, listen, you represent the gospel. You represent the gospel to him. Christian husbands, he, he didn't want to leave the husbands, let them off the hook, even though it would have been easier for a believing husband to have the family come to faith in Christ just because of the way things work. But he still says, likewise, or in that same tone, likewise, or in the same way, he's saying. So he's not saying this is different here. If it's a situation with a husband who's a believer and a spouse that just refuses to be a believer, he says, listen, live with your wife in an understanding way. The same value is still here. He said, actually, show her honor. Show her honor. He said, don't use your physical strength or stature as a way of intimidation towards her or, or deflects in a way that would make her think that men are somehow better than women or more important than women, which was actually another cultural issue to face altogether. But he said, actually, show grace to her. He said, because she's an heir with you. She's actually an heir with you of the grace of life. And he said, do this so your prayers won't be hindered. You think God is going to hear the prayers of someone who is causing division or the very thing that's supposed to be rooted and grounded in love and in preference of uh, serving and modeling the servant's heart? He said, man, you're going to miss it. He said, this is how you live in this way. All three of these sections are dealing with leadership and authority, and they have one common theme in how we as Christians should respond. And here's the big idea for today. The gospel matters more than me getting my way. That's what all of this is saying. The gospel matters more than me getting my way. So do everything you do unto the Lord. We shouldn't be rebels just because we don't like the governor or because we don't like the president or we don't like our boss or we don't like our spouse. That's not how this works. It doesn't give you a right just because you're free to cause turmoil in the name of God in the sense of you are being rebellious. No, it is actually through my love, it is actually through me understanding how to do everything I do is unto the Lord. So if you find yourself in a hostile work environment, I'm not saying maybe you shouldn't change jobs, but the answer is not just go work for a Christian employer. Like, like that could be a great thing for you, maybe. But automatically we think, oh, I don't like this tension here at work. Maybe this is God putting you in a position to be able to do some things in your heart that you would have otherwise missed out on because it's causing you to have to lean into him and trust him more because it's causing you to have to strengthen your understanding of the gospel so you can be anchored and grounded in love well it seems like i'm getting treated unfairly because i'm a christian or because i'm reading my bible or because of what i stand for or do or don't do well chalk that up as to suffering with christ because he went there first, amen? And this is, this is what the gospel enables me to do, not just get my way. If I, if I want to weaponize the gospel to try to use it to just simply get my way and demand my way, then I'm missing the humility part of Christ. If anyone should have had the red carpet rolled out for him, it should have been Christ, amen? 
Instead, he rode in on a donkey. He washed feet. He was crucified. He was beaten. He was humiliated. And no greater love has any man than this to be willing to lay down his life for his friends. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so, man, it doesn't sound like good news, though, because good news sounds like me getting my way. (laughs) But that's not good news because, man, what God wants and what God wants to accomplish through me, whether it be through difficulty, whether it be through everything being easy street, either way, he still gets the glory, amen? You see, as long as people aren't asking me to dishonor God or do something that's sinful, I should honor God the best I can in the culture that I live in by limiting my freedom on purpose, out of love. Not just me getting my way. Colossians 3, 23, says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. And this is what he says in verse 24, knowing that the, from the Lord, you're going to receive the inheritance as your reward because you're doing what? What are you doing? You are serving the Lord Christ. That's who you're serving. That's who you're pointing to. That's why we do what we do. So that's why the gospel matters more than me getting my way. Father, help us because this is a difficult message. This is not an easy pill to swallow. This is incredibly difficult because we have so many outlets. We have social media. We, we can make videos and post our opinions and our thoughts on YouTube. We can, we can write on Reddit. We can do all kinds of things in our day and age to, to just go out and air all of our frustrations. But Lord, let our heart's motive be your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Help us in those difficult situations. If someone's living with an unbelieving spouse, if someone's working in a job where it's difficult because they're a Christian, if someone is living in a family or in a neighborhood where it's difficult because of their faith and they're being persecuted at any level, Father, I pray you'll strengthen them. Help them to remember, Lord, their role as a servant of God, to honor you, to glorify you to live in step with the gospel. We thank you for this, Lord, by your strength, by your love. In Jesus' name.